Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues Podcast. This week on our panel, we have John Epperson. Hello, everyone. Valentino Stoll. Hey, now. I'm Charles Max Wood from Top End Devs, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Okura Masafumi. Did I get anywhere close on that? Yeah, Masafumi is my first name. Right. Okura is my fellow name, yes. Yeah, I've, when I was a kid, we had Japanese foreign exchange students come with, come stay with us. We had like four or five of them. And so, yeah, in Japan, the family name is first and then the given name is second. So yep. anyway, fun fact. Do you want to introduce yourself, let people know who you are and why you're famous? Sure. So my name is Asafumi. I'm working as a freelance software developer for a few years now. And mainly I focus on Ruby and Rails. And I'm known as a chief organizer of Kaiji on Rails, which is a kind of new tech conference focusing on Ruby on Rails, of course. And this year it goes virtual. It happens October so next month. Mm. Uh, and I'm also a author of Albert Gem, which is a JSON serializer gem. That's it. Very cool. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood. I've been talking to a whole bunch of people that want to update their resume and find a better job. And I figure, well, why not just share my resume? So you, if you go to topendevs.com slash resume, enter your name and email address, then you'll get a copy of the resume that I use, that I've used through freelancing, through my, most of my career, as I've kind of refined it and tweaked it to get me the jobs that I want. Uh, like I said, topendevs.com slash resume will get you that. And uh, you can just kind of use the formatting. It comes in Word and Pages formats, and you can just fill it in from there. So, Kaiki on Rails, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what you're doing with it? And, yeah, hopefully we can get some people to come or come virtually. Sure. So, uh, Kaiki on Rails was started at 2020. It was planned just before COVID. So, it was meant to be uh, in person. At that time, we didn't have a thought of in-person because every event, every conference was in-person, uh, but COVID came, so we turned it into a virtual conference. And we've welcomed Aaron Patterson and Akira Matsuda as the keynote speakers uh, at the very first event at 2020. And at 2021, we welcomed Kamipo Ryuta Kamizono, our race committer, and uh, Rafael Franca, also from mm-hmm. Rails School Team. And this year, we're, we're welcoming uh, two keynote speakers, but it's not published yet. I mean, at this uh, recording day. So okay, uh, I, I think I, it's not to mention. <laughs> but great keynote speakers this year. Awesome. And then you're also involved in Ruby Kaigi, correct? Yes. So I joined Ruby Kaigi this year as a helper staff, which is not an organizer but only staffs that work for uh, three days at the event, at the venue. Okay, makes sense. So I'm a little curious, and I, I have to say I've organized a few online conferences. What's kind of your process? Do you have all of your talks figured out at this point and all lined up? Or? I see you mean the schedule of the yeah. right? So actually, I created a timetable a spreadsheet several hours ago, and so I just... Wanted to wanted my colleagues, my coworkers at conference to confirm that I didn't miss mm-hmm. anyone, or I can just uh, I I could organize them correctly. Right. So so I think at the day of the publish release of this 
podcast, it should be already released. Okay, cool. So are all your speakers virtual? I just, I'm fascinated because it's like, okay, what are you doing that I'm not? Or, you know, how do you do this? Are they virtual? Are they recorded talks? I mean, how how do you approach all of that? So we allow speakers to join both in a live and in video submission. Mm-hmm. So we, we let people to select either a live or recording. And, right. and interestingly, uh, last year and two years ago, uh, like the percentage of the recording and live are like 50-50. But mm-hmm. uh, this year, most people preferred live. So many people are getting more and more confident <laughs> to give a live talk during this COVID virtual era. Right. So when you say a live talk, they're going to get on whatever streaming software you're using from wherever they are, right? They're not coming to Japan? Yes. So so most speakers are from Japan this year. So yeah, so uh, people will join our Zoom session. Mm -hmm. And so the video, uh, um, how to say broadcast staff are considering now which software to use. Probably cloud, like I don't know. I'm not familiar with this kind of stuff, but a cloud software to record, mm-hmm. and we will we will have a YouTube channel to broadcast uh, talks live. And we decided it's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So, so, so are you going to have an in-person venue at all, or? Uh, so this year we don't have any in-person venues at all. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe our staffs are gathering in one room. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes it easy for us to communicate. But yes, this year is entirely virtual. Uh, I'm planning next year, maybe we're going to have it uh, hybrid. I know hybrid event is hard to organize, but it's worth trying. Yeah. So yeah, so maybe next year I I will be able to talk more about uh, having organizing a hybrid event. That makes sense. I'm a little curious, too, uh, as far as speakers go. Like, how do you recruit your speakers? Did you just publish a CFP and people found it? Um, or did you reach so, out to people? Or how did that work? So you might know this fact, but in Japan, there are more than 20 local Ruby meetups. More than 20. Uh-huh. There are a lot of local communities. In fact, there used to be uh, more than 12 Ruby local meetups only in Tokyo. Oh, wow. So like, almost like... like Every station has its own local meetup, Ruby meetup mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, so now basically they're all virtual, but I go there and directly tell people about the conference. So, for example, like 10 times a month or something, I go uh-huh. to Ruby meetups. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, so it's manual work. Not yeah. like, of course, we tweet and we have many followers. We have some friendly like people who have many followers. So... They all retweet and talk about uh, it's uh, CFPs open, so please submit or something like that. But mm-hmm. I heard some speakers before in the past told me that they submitted a proposal because of me, <laughs> because I told them. So, oh, cool. Yeah, I believe manual works actually work. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, some of the ones that I've done in the past, yeah, I had a lot of people from Utah, right? I went to the meetups that are here. Mm-hmm. and invited people. And yeah, that worked out pretty well. What what topics are you seeing people submitting and, and what topics are you accepting for the conference? So it's the same as Ruby Kaigi, but this year the talks about types were okay. a lot. So people are really interested in types in Ruby. But 
In Ruby Kaigi, there were some talks about type tooling, but in Kaigi on Rails, people will talk about types usage or more practical. Uh, I don't want to say it's practical, but like it's more user stories of types. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested on what you came away with from watching that as far as the usage of types. Maybe just in a Rails context, since it was Kaigi on Rails, do you see people trying to adopt typing system in a Rails context and having kind of performance enhancements from it or something? Yeah, uh, so I'm looking for current CFP in a... So we use the same app as RubyConf and RailsConf uses. It's CFP app. So now I'm looking at the app, which has actual information. So for example, types... But there are actually a variety of talks, like Postgres focus talks. And as one speaker created his own Selenium to learn about Selenium, or one speaker will talk about how to reduce a technical debt by 200 pull requests. Or, yeah, so I found one talk about types, which will cover RBS. So there are two type system in Ruby. One is RBS and another is RBI from, from Sobe ecosystem. But this talk will focus on RBS and it introduces RBS into Rails application and how to maintain because maintaining uh, RBS files by hand is hard. So they will, I, I believe they will tell us how to maintain it partially automatically. So, I mean, super cool that you've kind of created this new Kaiki. <laughs> what is something that you've kind of taken away as, because this is the third year you'll have it, right? Yeah, third year. So what are some, uh, what are some things that maybe uh, were hard at first, but you've, you know, you're now getting used to now that it's become a more regular thing? So you mean the things I learned or things I take away? Yeah, like, so, I mean, running a conference has got to be tough. <laughs> I, yes. I only, <laughs> I only know sideways, you know, I've, I've never actually personally had to get my hands dirty running a, a conference, but what are, what are some of your biggest challenges running it? And maybe uh, like, what's gotten easier now that, you know, now that you know how it all works? So the most important thing for organizing a conference is building a team. So the first year, I gathered seven people, eight people, including me, myself, and but we were not, we, we didn't have any experience of a huge conference like this. So first year, it was kind of a challenge. And so but from second year, we did have some experience. So we were, we were focusing on increase our capacity by expanding a team so that in the future, it gets much easier for us to have a conference. So recruiting, so it's both like speaker recruiting is hard, team uh, organizer recruiting is also hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yes, like they really work hard and they work by themselves. So I, I don't have to, you know, tell them everything. Like they just do what they want to do and it's good for the conference. So yeah, I really feel it's important. So how do you find these team members? Because, I mean, it seems like you've, you've found the right people, right? <laughs> yes, it's yes, con- yes. it's continued to work. Like, what? how did you know, like, that they were the right people when you met them? So the right people for conference organization is a community. So if they are engaged in communities, it's likely they 
have their own place in the conference organization. So, so I, as I said before, I join local meetups often, and I sometimes find someone who are who 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 are engaged enough. Then I talk to them. Well, maybe you can help us. And it's interesting that we have one typical way of re- recruiting, and that is recruiting a speaker. So we already have two, I believe, two organizer who used to be a speaker. So people who want to speak in a conference tend to be interested in conference itself. So it's easier for us to talk to. Yeah, that makes、Does、a lot make of sense. sense. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you then like? To me, it, it seems very hard to find people wanting to speak at a conference they don't know about, right? Like, how do you start setting that tone where people are like, "Oh, yeah, I'd like to give a talk about this thing I'm working on." Like, is there? Was there? Were you giving away prizes? Like, how how are you <laughs> how are you trying to convince <laughs> them? You know. <laughs> so when we started Kaiji on Rails, there is there was already、uh, Ruby Kaiji, right?、Uh, Ruby Kaiji、right. started much much. Before, so Ruby Kaiji is kind of top notch. I must say, correct. So it, it really focuses on technical and high level talks, which is great. But so we wanted to make ourselves the the kind of contrast. Maybe I'm expressing wrong, but so we we are writing note about our own event where we say we are lowering that barrier. We want to be an entrance. Of the conference, tech conferences. So there are many conferences, and not only in Japan but also in the world. But we want to lower the barrier so that it's easy for people to join as a first conference. So it's it's mainly for participants, but it's also for speakers. So I encourage people to to become a conference speaker in Kaiyo Rails because we're welcoming. That's really great, and I mean, to be honest, I, I feel like that's. I remember my first Rails conference, and, it, and even then, I w- I was new to Rails, and I felt definitely like an outsider. Even though the Ruby and Rails community is very welcoming, <laughs> it's you know when you get into a room with a lot of people that are very familiar with something, you know, you quickly be- realize you don't know as much, <laughs> right? Or maybe it just feels that way. It's easy to feel less than maybe. <laughs> Maybe you you are, or I don't know. I feel like this is a great thing that should come out, and I'm hoping. It seems like with the new RailsConf that they're doing the RailsConf minis in the states. It seems very similar, kind of in style to this. It's really great. I mean, have you noticed that you're getting kind of better audiences from making it a more accessible, you know, conference? Have you found a, a lot of, you know, maybe younger Rails or Ruby people coming? To the conference, at least I hope so. And so, in the demographic, there are young people, like a few, like ten, twenty, thirty percent are twenties. And in Japan, there are there are so many, not only young, not not necessarily young, but、uh, relatively young people who just learned Rails and joined the IT programming industry. So and they mostly they learn Rails at first because programming school teaches them how to program in Rails. So I I hope we we are accessing to those audiences like they、uh, people who learn Rails with like Rails tutorial or in programming school 
code school. Uh, so we call it programming school in Japan. So so we, we, we haven't done this yet, but maybe we should talk to programming school directly and we'll advertise about our conference. That's a great idea. I mean, to be honest, I wish that at my university they taught Ruby because uh, I would have enjoyed it much more, I feel like. <laughs> So uh, that's interesting. Is real is Rails or Ruby part of uh, the academic programs at a lot of universities in Japan, um, or is that a code school so, specific? So, so it's quite interesting story that Ruby is from Japan, right? Uh, Ruby was born mm-hmm. in Japan, but the Jap- Japan gov- Japanese government decided that Python is language for school. So no Ruby, <laughs> and Matt Matt said uh, Matt's so Ruby has a ISO standard, right? At the age of 2.0, he got ISO standard. But like someone said to Matt that he should take, he should make Ruby standardized uh, for 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 the government, so that the government can make it official language. I heard I heard that from someone. That's so, really so interesting. In, so so Ruby is not taught in in public schools at all, not in university. I I I, I know some. In some school or in some seminar, like like, do you have any uh, small group of people in universities? I mean, small group of people who read the same book together or who 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 works as a, one one same professor. Yeah, there's there's typically like clubs or, or organizations uh, yeah, yeah. within the university. Yeah. Association, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, association. So, yep. So there are a few associations in Japan that that they are taught Ruby. But it's not that common. So where do people mostly hear about Ruby? Is that like a post-university thing? or? So mostly in because of Rails. But I, mean, I mean, we they tell newcomers that you can learn Ruby and Rails to get job quickly. So that's the main purpose or main entrance for people to learn Ruby, I believe. It's not, it's not an academic area. Do you have any free code camp school or something like that in US or in other countries? I, I'm not so familiar with the situations in foreign countries. Yeah, you have to pay for most of them. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. I'm excited because I wanted to let you know about this thing that I pulled together that I had just, I've been dying to have this for years and I never felt like I could. And then I just realized that there's no reason why I can't. So um, I'm putting together a book club and we're going to read development focused books, career books, you know, uh, technical books, whatever. The first book that we're going to do is going to be Clean Architecture by Uncle Bob Martin. If you're not familiar with Clean Code or some of the other stuff that Bob has done, check that out. I've also talked to him on the Clean Coders podcast, which is on Top End Devs. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on. He's going to show up to some of our meetings. And what I'm thinking is we'll probably have like five or six people uh, part of the conversation along with Bob and I at the same time. And we'll just, uh, so somebody can come on, they can ask their question and then and we'll just ro- rotate people through. So we'll, we'll mute one person, unmute another person when it's their turn to come on and, and be part of the discussion. So we'll do that for like an hour, hour and a half. And then the other part of it that I'm putting together is just kind of a meet and greet gather area on gather town. And so after the, the meetup and the call, what we'll do is we'll all go over to Gather Town and you can just log in, walk up to a group and have a conversation. And that way we can all kind of get to know each other and 
and make friends and and get to know people across the world. Uh, one thing that I'm finding is that, yeah, the meetups are starting to come back, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a meetup. And I really want to meet you guys and talk to you. So we're going to put all that together. It'll all be part of that book club. You can go to topendevs.com slash book club to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The first book club meeting will be in December, the beginning of December. We're starting the first week of December. And um, you'll also be part of the conversation about which book we do next. I have one in mind, but I want to see where everybody's at. So there you go. I think there is one free code camp, maybe. There there yeah. are a few, but I feel like typically the ones that guarantee employment <laughs> kind mm. of thing are, are paid for. Yeah, free code camp is... It's more a website with tutorials than anything else. And they primarily teach JavaScript. So anyway. Uh Oh, right. React or Vue or Mm -hmm. Angular. Yeah, they started with React and JavaScript, and then they've kind of expanded from there. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. In Japan, they will mainly teach backend first. Mm -hmm. So Rails is is good for them. Yeah, it depends on where you are, but JavaScript is the popular thing to so over there, they're telling people, hey, if you want a good job, quickly learn Ruby and Rails. Over here, it seems to be primarily, oh, go learn JavaScript, you'll get a job. Yeah, go learn JavaScript and React. <laughs> so so interesting. So the talks will be in English? You mean the uh, Kagan Rails? Yeah. No, so this year it's still... So last year it was domestic, and this year it's also a domestic conference, mostly in Japanese. But so we welcome two keynotes, uh, one from Japan and one from foreign countries. Mm-hmm. So this year we will welcome one get, uh, one keynote speaker, which have which will have a presentation in who, who will have a presentation in English. So there will be only one English talk this year. Right. And I I transcribe it and and write subtitles <laughs> in, in Japanese. Like the keynote is wow. It's it's kind of tough. That's incredible. <laughs> so we, yeah. Uh, so personally, I I want um, Japanese developers to be accessible to right foreign like English uh, contents. So maybe this one as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Have you thought about uh, using a translation service or, or something like that for future conferences? Yeah, it, it's definitely helpful. Yeah. Like, so, so this year it's a domestic conference, so it's fine. Like only one talk, so manual work could be done. But if I make it international, there should be at least several English talks, and I don't have time to translate them all. So <laughs> right. I mean, the first few Ruby Kaigis were not international, right? First Ruby Kaigi. Were, were they always? Do they always offer like translation services at the Kaigis? Uh, so Ruby Ruby Kaigi is interesting in terms of translation. So it says it's international conference. So the lingua franca is English. So when we talk, when we give a talk in Japanese, then there are professional translators and interpreters who translate the whole talk live from Japanese to English. But if we give a talk in English. Then there's no translation at all. We we need to listen to English because it's international. Mm. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. I think that is pretty neat. I will admit, maybe ten years ago, I went to Ruby Kaigi, and mm. uh, it was great because they gave you know little translator earpieces, yes, yes. and so I was able to enjoy all the talks. But you know, I do wish I, <laughs> you know, for some of the 
lost in translation pieces. You know, it's always better to, if you can understand it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, go uh, learn some Japanese, Valentino. I'm working on it. It's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I bet I really enjoyed Ruby Kaigi. I, I imagine Kaigi on Rails is uh, at least at par with the level of community there. Because I know like the how you were saying the Ruby communities are just everywhere over in Japan. You know, I can attest to that I went, I was at Tokyo for the one I was at and it, there were just Ruby meetups, you know, they had postings everywhere at, after the conference. I was like, Hey, come to our meetup after this. And you could be a different place in Tokyo and there would be a different meetup happening, you know? Yes. <laughs> so I, I definitely kind of miss having that accessibility in the States because it's not nearly as condensed of a Ruby mm-hmm. community. But I used to run a Ruby group in a place where there weren't many Rubyists. <laughs> you know, people would travel an hour to get there, you know. Mm. So it's it's still fun uh, running a little meetup and the quality of some of the talks that come out of there uh, and content is just so much fun, you know. So it's really cool that you were able to put all this together as kind of like coming from all those meetups and meeting all those people and making some qual- more more quality content come out of that. At, do you foresee like kind of translating this and integrating it more with meetups? Or how, how do you see yourselves kind of building up the Kaigi on Rails community? So, yes, like you said, there are so many communities in Tokyo and Japan and they're so condensed. And people from each, not every, but like people from some communities will join Ruby Kaigi as speakers, for example. And people are proud of it. So if you know, if if someone from the community they belong to have one speaker or two speakers, then it's great for the community. So it's kind of re- a huge reunion in a Ruby reunion. That's part of portion of Ruby Kaigi and Kaigi on Rails wants to be like that. So it's a it's also a community for for Ruby communities as well. But in addition to that, there are so many people who haven't joined any Ruby meetups or communities yet. So Kaigen Rails wants to be accessible for them. So so it's, it's a good thing of virtual because they can join it individually, right? I mean, I mean, if when it's in person, you don't have it, when you don't have any friends, any like, known people in the conference room, then it's kind of sad and it feels kind of isolated. But in virtual, we don't have to feel like that. So it's easy. I believe it's easy for them to join us virtually. So uh, I want kind of Rails to be a kind of a practice. I mean, it's not good to say like practice, but the first experience of community. So I hope they will expand their experience of community after joining Canyon Rails. But it's hard for it's hard to encourage them to join after parties. So after a party like stuff. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, when it's in person, when it's physical, when it's offline, people will people will love to join parties, right? But in virtual, like they just they're gone. After the conference, they're gone. <laughs> they they, mm. they they don't come to they don't come to the party because it's not a I, party. <laughs> I will say my my favorite part of Ruby Kaigi was you know the karaoke events. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby <laughs> karaoke. Oh yeah, I mean uh, that's definitely how I met many of the people at the conference <laughs> was you know through the karaoke events. I don't know how well that translates virtually. I imagine you could. 
host the karaoke event online. I've never tried that. <laughs> Isn't karaoke originally a Japanese word? Yes, yes. Kara- so we, in Japanese accent, we call it karaoke. It's karaoke in Japanese. So it's originally from Japan. A Japan- well, Japanese guy invented karaoke. After my experience there, I believe it. it's great it's such a fun time and everybody gets really involved and i didn't speak any japanese when i went and you know i was singing along in japanese to some of the songs (laughs) as best (laughs) i could you know (laughs) but it was definitely a lot of fun and what kind of socialization have you tried like event wise to kind of make it easier for people to get Uh, together Last year, we try, uh, we built a online booth. Is it correct word? A booth? Uh, so the expo kind of. Uh-huh. So we have sure, sponsors. Yep. Uh, last year we had 24 or five sponsors. So we let them have their own expo for free. And some, some company, some companies have some small events in their area and we, we, we encourage people to join them. And we used special chat, you know? Do you know that? Special chat. Uh, no, it's special chat. Not special, a uh, spatial. Spatial chat. Spatial chat, yeah. So we can move, move around. Not, it's not digital. We, it's kind of analog. So smoothly, we can move around smoothly. And when we're close enough, then we can talk to each other. So we used it. That's really cool. Yeah, we used to have the tool. Did it work out well? Did like were people able to to navigate it pretty easily? Um, so it's quite intuitive. So it's not hard to use. They after they joined it and experienced it, they felt good. So it, it was a good choice for us as a uh, communication tool for for after party. After all, um, you know, Zoom is not a good tool for the right, right? <laughs> like yeah, breakout breakout room is not. Not suitable. I'm surprised how long Zoom has lasted, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, for recording, it's a great tool. But for socializing, it's just not good. But as I said, it's hard to let, it's hard to let them in. They're in front of the computer in, during the conference. And after that, they don't move. They just, Mm -hmm. they need to be, stay there to join the party online. I know it's hard for them to do so. So people just want to, you know, relax, have some rest, I don't know. And when when they are when they're once gone, they won't come back because they're in their home and there are so many things to do. It's different because when we when we join uh, Kaigi, Ruby Kaigi uh, in person, what we want to do is just join and enjoy the conference. Mm-hmm. But it's quite different in version. After joining Ruby Kaigi, I really think in-person kaiji, in-person, in-person conference is great. Yep. We want to we want to do karaoke again. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I was going to say they need, if you're going to have to like, one of the problems with like being in front of your desk all day at a conference is you just want to do something active or whatever, but not everybody has, you know, a treadmill in front of their standing desk kind of thing. Or <laughs> even that's, right. Even that's kind of not that interesting, but. So there is an idea that we have public viewing. Is it correct English? Public viewing, uh, like sports event. <laughs> so we mm-hmm. we are in the small room together and we have one big screen and we will watch the conference virtually. 
it's I believe it's more, much more fun than uh, watching it alone. I feel like the last RubyConf Home Edition had a similar format where there would be like main public channel that everybody could visit uh, mm-hmm. for the main keynotes. And I, I personally like that better. Although I did uh, the very first Home Edition RubyConf, I did enjoy uh, being able to just selectively watch whatever talk I wanted and then be able to chat with people as they're watching. But there's something more about like everybody going to see the same thing at once. It gives that in-person you know, aspect to it. It's it's hard. A virtual is hard. <laughs> I don't I don't have any answers here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are definitely I, I like some it. challenges. It just depends on what people expect. I like that we're experimenting a little with it because, like, for example, like uh, the local Ruby meetup here, right? That like I helped to co-organize. Right? We like decided that we, regardless of COVID things, right, we're going to try to be hybrid going forward because. By being virtual, you know, for a while, we allowed people that were a lot farther away to join, you know, and there are people that would drive that hour or so just because there wasn't another meetup any closer for them. But they were very rare comers and they've been able to come more often because it's virtual. But at the same time, you know, there is like the in-person value or whatever that you can't really replicate online. And like our model right now is to try and accommodate both things. But it's, uh, I mean, I know that like for us, like we're we're definitely like trying to find something better, right? And so it's just, it's nice that everyone is experimenting and trying to find other ways. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree. Like, I don't think that we've found the perfect thing yet, for sure. Yep. I know one interesting example of hybrid meetups. Um, so there's one meetup called Fukuoka RB. Uh, which is uh, namely uh, a local Ruby meetup in Fukuoka Prefecture. So Fukuoka is a place uh, where Ruby Taiji 2019 happened. And so they are, they have weekly meetups. And one time they had, uh, they started kind of early to have in-person meetup and it ends at nine o'clock, 9 p.m. And after that, it switches to virtual and it ends at 11 o'clock. So it has two parts, one one for in-person, one for virtual. And the people who join were totally different. So for, for example, people like me from Tokyo couldn't, of course, couldn't join in-person part. But uh, people who joined in in-person part needed to go home. <laughs> and after going home, they want to have dinner. So they, they couldn't join in virtual part. So I found it interesting. Because it can welcome both people from outside, far, and people from local. So, but like I said, I heard that it's quite hard to organize. <laughs> it's quite tough. So I'm not so sure if it's the future of the hybrid uh, meetup. Yeah, it, it is. It is kind of interesting though, right? Because our most of our discussions as a community happen on the internet, right? Like asynchronously. All these Ruby committers are around the world, even Rails committers, right? And they're all asynchronously discussing ideas and topics. And uh, all these talks are asynchronously made, right? Like everybody's not really happening all at once. So I'm kind of what hoping what comes out of this is maybe a more like asynchronous workflow where people can just like take these discussions that they have offline to have them in a meeting space and talk about them with the actual people face to face. 
And it seems like that's kind of where we're getting. There's still something missing from them, from that piece of the puzzle, right? Where how do we get, you know, all these discussions and meetups and things that we have back into the people that are missing them, right? Like, how do, how do you get the discussions in Fukuoka meetup for the people that, you know, miss the in-person to the people that, you know, attended in person? Like, is there a, an email thread going after where people are like, oh, it was great to talk about this, you know, particular topic? Do it like do conversations happen after that, you know, collaborate those two different, you know, community members? So in my experience, they are separate. So, so, so I, I couldn't see anyone who joined in, in person and meet up. And they were not, they, 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 they don't appear in online. Like, I mean, we, we, so Fukuoka RB community has both like Discord and Slack workspace to communicate, but people who joined in, in person, just they just came because it's a cool guy's logo. So some of them don't join online community part. So we, we don't see them from from Tokyo. So I feel it's separate. Do you see that being a, an issue at all? Or is it is, is kind of okay that everybody still gets the most out of the, the community, the group being, being there so, and active? As you mentioned, we have uh, asynchronous part of the community, right? And actually, we have one huge online community, online Ruby community in Japan. It's called Ruby JP. And there are more than 4,000 people in Slack community. And so if if one person are engaged enough, then uh, they will surely join Ruby JP as well to talk more about Ruby so that we can meet online. Then it's probably fine. I mean, we, we, we don't see each other in person. But we will see online. So, so like we don't have to meet a more local online. It's it's weird, like local online part of the community. Does it make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's it's hard to. I'm just thinking about how do we make sure that we're including everybody's conversation, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you know, like that? Maybe s- some things that people were talking about in the virtual aspect of it. Maybe somebody would be interested in that discussion for the people that attended in person. Like, I feel like we're just missing a piece that kind of captures that aspect and dialogue so that everybody can be included, even if they're not in attendance, right? Like that they can capture it in some way. I don't know if it's like maybe recording aspects of it, you know, or something like that. I don't know. It's something I see that's missing piece from that, you know, virtual hybrid combination. Because I will, I would love if even post pandemic and endemic, (laughs) right? I hope that we can continue the virtual aspect because we do like, even in the States, we having that virtual conference, the attendance is still up there. You know, it's not, there's a lot of people attending the virtual only aspects of it. Myself included, I can't make it to a lot of in-person ones with my my young kids, but I'd love to. And, you know, these the past few years, I've been able to attend a lot of the conferences virtually. And I've talked to people that are in similar ways. So I just wonder how can we like continue that going forward and like make it so that I can still be in touch with people that attended the conference, you know, in person too, and still feel part of the rest of the community, right? Versus like, it's I, it seems like we're at a path where we could create two separate kinds of communities, right? <laughs> the people that attend in person conferences and the people that attend virtually. And how do we help keep it, you know, hi- truly hybrid? Yeah. So as a helper staff of the Ruby Kaigi this year, I felt it's hard to take care of online participants 
while being part of the in-person conference. As a human, <laughs> we, we tend to focus on the things in front of us. And it's hard for us to take care of the things which is outside of us, right? And so we, I, I believe we need to have some more experiences to smoothly have uh, hybrid experiences, uh, events. But anyway, we, we need to do, I believe we need to do so because it revealed there are some people who cannot join in-person events. Like, like, as you said, when bringing kids, when having small kids, like we, we just can't leave home, for example. So there are hidden demands. There were hidden demands of online participation, which is, which ha- which was revealed by COVID. So so yeah, we need we need to practice to organize uh, hybrid conferences and meetups. Well, I mean, we cannot give yeah. up online. You know, I'm just picturing a bunch of like drone floating heads. You know, with screens on them, people can attend. You know, fly in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very clearly an unsolved space, right? And and. And it's not like we have, like, the solutions that we have, right, are the ones that are, like, creating the split. And we're like, oh, this is better than it was when we didn't have anything. But now we have this new problem of the split community, right, that we're, like, kind of at an impasse to solve at the moment. But Yeah. Well, this has been really interesting and really helpful. If people want to find out more about Kaigi on Rails, how do they find it? So the URL is Kaigi on Rails, one word kaiyonrails.org, which the website is part partially in English, but partially in Japanese only. So, yeah, so for example, about, there's about page, but it's all written in Japanese. You can use DeepL or like translation service, other services mm-hmm. to, to know more about Kaiyon Rails. Right. I will, I will put link in the show notes. Sounds good. All right. Well, we kind of used up. We were going to talk a little bit about code as mental therapy. So we'll just have to schedule you to come back. But in the meantime, if people want to connect with you directly, is there a way to do that? Sure. So so I use two main social services. One is Twitter. One is GitHub. And both uh, are these are the same. Okura Masafumi, my full name. Uh, so twitter.com slash or O-K-U-R-A-M-A-S-A-F-U-M-I. <laughs> it's a little bit long, but it's inevitable because it's my full name. And GitHub yeah, we'll put it out. in the show notes too, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Uh, and so my Twitter is mostly in Japanese, but please uh, send me a direct message in English. Um, I can reply to you in English and also please find me on GitHub as well. Not only Alba, I mentioned it uh, before, but not only Alba, but also there are uh, several other uh, small products I created. So uh, please find them as well. All right. Sounds good. Have you ever wished that you had a group of people that were just as passionate about writing code as you are? I know I did. I did that for most of my career. I'd go to the meetups. I'd try and create other opportunities. And it was just really hard, right? The meetups, I got some of that, but they were only like once or twice a month. And it was just really hard to find that group of people that I connected with and, and really wanted to, you know, talk about code a lot, right? I mean, I love writing code. I think it's the best. And so I've decided to create this community and create it a, a worldwide community that we can all jump in and do it. So we're going to have 
two workshops every week. One of those or two of those every month are going to be Q&A calls, right, where you can get on, you can ask me or me and another expert questions. Uh, the rest of them are going to be focused on different aspects of career or programming or things like that, right? So it'll go anywhere from like deployments and containers all the way up to managing your 401k and negotiating your benefits package. We'll, we'll cover all of it, okay? And then we're also going to have meetups every month for your particular technology area. So we have shows about JavaScript, React, Angular, Vue, and so on. We're going to have meetups for all of those things. I'm going to revive the freelancer show. We'll have one about that, right? So you can get started freelancing or continue freelancing if that's where you're at. And I'm working on finding authors who can actually do weekly video tutorials on something for 10 minutes that's related, to, again, to those technology areas so that you can stay current and keep growing. So if you're interested, go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can get in right now for $39. When we're done, that price is going to go up to $75. And the $39 price gets you access to two calls per week. The The full price at $150, which is going to be $75 over the next few weeks, that price is going to get you access to all of the calls and all of the tutorials and everything else that we put out from Top End Devs along with member pricing for our remote conferences that are coming up next year. So go check it out, topendevs.com slash sign up. Well, we're going to go ahead and do the next segment of the show, which is picks. John, do you want to start us off with our picks? Yeah, I can definitely get us started off. So I have two picks today. So my first one that I just kind of recently used on a project. It's called YAF or Y-A-A-F or whatever. It's like yet another active form is what it is. It's just a gem that uh, if you're familiar with kind of like the form object pattern, it's a gem that kind of tries to help make that pretty easy. It's a pretty small and light gem, actually. Um, it's not like it's like huge heavy lift or anything. And it's pretty nice to use. It's not, I found, I managed to find some corners, but for the most part, like, I felt really good about it. You know, just cleaned up like my form objects or whatever in this particular project. And so I was like pretty happy with it. So, so that was good. And then for my other pick, I uh, have these really sweet leather coasters that, that we got not too long ago. And they're awesome because uh, my old coasters were collecting water and stuff. And these are just absorbing the water, which is great. So anyway, they're really awesome. And I like them. Those are my picks. Nice. Valentino, do you have some picks? Sure. I only have one pick today. It's this editor called Lunar Vim that basically uses syntax trees and tree sitter and a, and a number of language server related things to uh, bring all of the language tools and highlighting and instant feedback from a lot of common languages. It's been really great. And uh, the only downside is it uses NeoVim, which there aren't the same number of plugins available to it as traditional Vim, it, it is getting there. But uh, I've been having a lot of fun and uh, playing around with language servers with it. Awesome. I'm going to jump in with a few picks. I think last week I picked Irish Gage, the train game. So if I didn't put it in the show notes, but yeah, it was a pretty fun game, pretty fun board game. I also ought to mention that we, we postponed uh, Rails Remote Conf. So it'll be in January. So you can still submit CFPs. I'm going to see if I can get that CFP app installed because I think that'll actually save me a bunch of effort. So thanks for that. Also, that 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 seems like it'll really help. Beyond that, I've just kind of been neck deep in uh, working on top end devs. So keep an eye out for some updates and changes there. And I'm trying to think what else I have to pick. Uh, I've been listening to some books on Audible. 
uh, by Dan Wells. The first one is I Am Not a Serial Killer. I'm currently on the third book, which is I Don't Want to Kill You. I'm sure the names are really, really inspiring. They're good books. They don't like top out the chart for me at all, but they're interesting enough for me to keep listening to them. So um, I'm going to pick that. And yeah, I'm going to have to check out uh, Kaigi on Rails and see what's going on there. Could I share some picks as well? Yes. Yes. Uh, I we like usually make our guests go last. So go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so the, there are two picks. Uh, I have two picks. One is technical and one is conference. So the first pick is RSpec current at Vim. So it's coincidence that I, I also pick things about Vim. So when we write RSpec, um, it's, it's often the case that we miss the current subject. So when it, when the RSpec lines are long, then, you know, there's no subject in the screen. So when we find, you know, it is expected to something, then what's this? <laughs> what, what, what's, what's the subject of this? So I create a solution for this. And so it's a Vim plugin, both, both for Vim and NeoVim. And it work, it, it provides a few functions of Vim that shows you a current effective, uh, currently valid subject and context. So now um, it's it's easy to keep it up. So that's my first pick, and my second pick is um, MRuby Kaigi. So it's it's slightly confusing, but it's not Ruby Kaigi. It's MRuby Kaigi. So MRuby is an embedding, a small Ruby implementation for embedding, uh, both in hardware and in software. And so this year uh, it's a tenth anniversary of MRuby. So MRuby Kaigi takes place in this October. So if this podcast episode is released before that, then please consider joining. I believe it's free and it both has Japanese and English translations that you can enjoy many talks, including my, including my talk in Emory Kaigi. So that's my picks. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thanks for coming. This was a lot of fun and I love kind of digging into how this stuff all comes together. And it'll be interesting to see, yeah, how our online get-togethers, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting them, evolve. But yeah, we'll wrap up. Until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.